Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. You've just landed in the Sin Bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers. You went to Princeton and we're all Eastern, which you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. And Otto Rogers. You <laughs> what a life. See ya. Yeah. All right, let's show them what we got, guys. Okay. Right. Yeah. Get out there on the ice and let them know you're there. Uh, my everyone welcome to another edition of the seattle sinbin podcast i am the aforementioned paul rogers otto are you there with me as well i am here paul how are you doing good doing good uh how are you doing hey. doing great um it was a great day today you know beautiful sunny skies so i can't complain can't complain all right all right so we've got a good show for you guys tonight and uh in a few minutes, uh, we're going to talk to a guy named Paul Figler, um, who is the operator, the owner and operator of a website called whlstats.ca. Uh, I had to make sure to say CA instead of .com because I'm not used to, used to talking about Canadian websites. Uh, but it's whlstats.ca. And uh, he's got actually a really innovative way of looking at stats. You can drill things down by, by period and things like that. It's really cool. Um, but we're going to talk to him. <clears throat> And later in the program, uh, we're going to be uh, be joined once again by our beat writer for the Washington Huskies Hockey Club, Lorenzo Villalobos. Um, and so uh, the Huskies wrapped their season up a couple weeks back, and Lorenzo's going to join us to talk about how that season went and how things look in the future. Sound good to you, Otto? Sounds great. So we've got a few minutes before Mr. Figler calls in. Um, and so why don't we talk about arena stuff? Huh, my favorite. <laughs> Are you going to be glad when we don't have to talk about this anymore? You know what? I'm I mean, going to miss it. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I've made lots of good friends like you through this whole process, but you know, I, I just can't wait until we are past this, uh, you know, past wondering about what's going on with the city council, uh, past caring what the Seattle Times says about some stupid ACOM report, uh, past, you know, past what caring what the port thinks about things. And I just want this stupid arena to be approved. And I just want a stupid team back. <laughs> I mean, actually a couple of stupid teams. Uh, did, I want my son and dad, and I want a hockey team. What was that? Did you think it would be this difficult uh, when we first journey four or five years ago? Um, when it was four years ago, I believe, and uh, when Hanson's name first surfaced, um, I was excited. And I was pumped to finally have uh, some options on the table again regarding an arena and regarding getting the NBA back. And, you know, at that time, I wasn't thinking all that much about hockey in my life. But um, I I was genuinely worried at the time that we would not get past that summer 
I was worried that the city council would just sit on it and sit on it or just worse yet reject it and that there would be no MOU uh, approved in the first place four years ago. Um, and so <clears throat> I, when, when it first occurred, no, I, I didn't, I thought, I thought it would be very difficult. And in fact, I thought it would be so difficult. There was a chance that nothing would happen even in that first year. But once that was approved, um, you know, I kind of thought we had fairly smooth sailing ahead. I, you know, I, I didn't anticipate the level of difficulty, didn't anticipate losing the Kings, uh, didn't anticipate, uh, you know, losing the Coyotes or, you know, that was, we really had them. But, uh, and more importantly, didn't anticipate how long it took to do the, the environmental reviews. Uh, didn't anticipate that we would be into the next city council before we got to the second approval stage. And so, no, I, I didn't, once the original MOU was approved, I didn't think it would be this difficult. Um, but I should have known because it's Seattle and <laughs> it's a Seattle process and that's just the way it goes, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about this deal where, okay, so a week or so ago, Jeff Baker comes out with, with a column and he is basically, he's done some, um, um, what's the term, um, records requests from the city of Seattle. And, you know, he's been, he's been working on this for a while regarding this ACOM report that uh, portends to say that uh, Key Arena could indeed be modified for NHL and NBA standards uh, with approximately $285 million. And, and Jeff basically, through email chains and things like that, came to the conclusion that uh, not only did this report exist, and it was a surprise to everyone, but came to the conclusion that city council and the mayor's office basically um, concealed it, um, hoping that it wouldn't surface before the FEIS report. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, yesterday, you know, we get word that Tim Burgess is going to release this document, and he's going to do it, not only just release it, but release it publicly. And he's... He's basically saying, you know, he's taking Jeff Baker to task. Uh, he's taking the Seattle Times editorial board to task uh, for basically distorting facts or that's at worst, uh, muddling the facts and not understanding the facts. But the the overall point is the same, that those reports were wrong. And so, you know, it, you, know you can say um, – it's a difference of opinion. You can say they're both reporting the same facts differently, but I, you know, I, I just get really sick and tired of this go around with Seattle times and this process and this port of Seattle and this process. And I don't know. what do you think of that whole thing, Otto? You know, it's, uh, I, I've, I've thrown my hands up in frustration with the Seattle times. You know, it's, it's, it's a continued, uh, especially by the editorial board, um, a continued attempt to kind of muddy the waters, to just make it muck it up, so they can protect their interests, which which is the port and 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 a little bit of the Mariners. But it's just frustrating. It's frustrating to see the paper of record in Seattle kind of slant against you know a, you know against things that are not you know for their interests. You know they they've taken these kinds of 
stances of of just kind of bullying other groups before, you know, um, you know, case in point, they really went hard after, you know, Bellevue High School. They went, went hard after um, the, you know, UW football team. And, and, and so it just, it just feels like the Seattle Times, they just, um, there's no checks and balances there. It's when you, when you see the editorial group, you know, just put out blatant lies over and over again, and just kind of covering it as that, well, it's our opinion. Well, yeah, you can have opinion, fine, but doesn't make it true or doesn't make it right. So, I don't know. I, I'm yeah. kind of frustrated with the Seattle Times. You know, yeah, you know, Jeff Baker used to be a great guest for us. You know, on our on our podcast, but I, I yeah, and, and you know. still maybe again. You know, it's just. You know, I, I I honestly don't have much of a problem with Jeff. I, I, I disagree with the way he's reporting this, but I, I like Jeff, and, you know, he's a good hockey guy, and he likes to talk about hockey. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll have him on again someday. Uh, but it's just – it is frustrating, and, um, you know, we've had this ever since Chris Hansen first showed his face. And, um, you know, you go back in time, if you were to look up uh, when the Mariners arena was being – debated endlessly <clears throat> back in the 90s. Seattle Times was all over that and completely in favor of it. Uh, I believe they were completely in favor of the Seahawks Stadium. And, you know, that that's great. I'm glad they were in favor of those things. But for whatever reason, and it can't be the reasons they're talking about because they don't make any sense. For whatever reason, they are just completely opposed to this. And, you know, I've heard <clears throat> maybe that the Bledens uh, have some kind of relationship with the Mariners or something you know, that goes way back. Uh, but who knows? I, you know, I don't know what to think about the Seattle times anymore. Uh, but right now, um, we're just kind of at, at odds on things like this. And, um, the good news is we've got just another month and a half or so, uh, before this is actually voted on. Um, and, um, that's going to be a great day. Well, I hope it's going to be a great day when it's voted on, but up or down, yes or no, we're going to be done. Uh, debating the Seattle Times about this, and of course, then it'll be on. It will be on to the lawsuits if it's a yes. Oh, uh, but I can't wait. Yeah, we're gonna. What's, what was that, Otto? I, said, I can't wait. The lawsuits. Yeah, I can't wait either. Can't wait either. <laughs> oh, and uh, I ordered a new jersey uh, over the last few days that I'm going to wear on March 15th, and I ordered I a custom jersey. That is for SeattleSimbin.com, and so um, kind of uh, I'm check I'm checking the uh, the shipment tracker daily to see where it's at, and so far it hasn't shipped yet, but uh, it should be here well in time for that meeting, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Paul Figler of WHLStats.ca. So hang with us for just a couple minutes. The Ferris State Bulldogs beat the University of Michigan Wolverines. The Ferris State University Bulldogs defeat the Michigan State University Spartans 4-1. And the Bulldogs win 8-1 over the Ohio State Ferris State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to FerrisStateBulldogs.com. needed to cheer, the world watched the impossible dream come true. 
Dragons salutes the 1980 USA gold medal hockey team. Here in their new Volkswagen Vanagon, the greatest hockey team in the world. Get your free team photo and see the full line of Volkswagens at your local Volkswagen dealers. You know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the Thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you. Can you feel? That's hockey love. The hockey love. Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrongs he has done, that is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. From Midtown to Marriott, Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey. Little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. They try so hard, and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. <laughs> All right. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
I really like the community feel and the affordability of WHL hockey. All right. So I, I take it you're a Red Deer fan. Uh, um, and <laughs> who, which one is your – which team do you root for in the NHL? Um, my favorite NHL team is uh, probably the Colorado Avalanche. But I also okay. do follow the Winnipeg Jets quite a bit as I grew up there as a kid. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so uh, you've been involved with hockey most of your life. Have you ever actually played it, or have you just been a fan that whole time? Uh, I played all the way up until high school. Um, at the time when, when I was in high school, I was in a small town in northwestern Ontario, and there wasn't a lot to offer for hockey. And politics aside, there was quite a bit of that kind of thing um, in that area. And I just, at that time, I decided not to play hockey anymore. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. And so then um, your oh, website. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say also, um, I've also refed hockey. Um, I also uh, did a lot of refing in Calgary a few, quite a few years ago um, in roller hockey. And so uh, I've always been a fan of the game and uh, enjoyed that side of it as well. So that was something I okay. wanted to, uh, I, I guess I wanted to just mention real quick because I, a lot of people I know in, in the WHL complain about the rest and that kind of thing. And so um, I've done it too. And I've also been on the other side of it, right? Right, right. All right, so your website, whlstats.ca, tell us, tell us a little bit about, about what the purpose of this website is. What, do you, what are you trying to accomplish here? And uh, just, just tell us about your website in general. Okay, um, well, that's a big question, a big line of questioning there for me. Um, to be honest with you, the WHL stats site started out as a spreadsheet on Google. Um, I, I've often gotten to debates with people around Red Deer and o- online about uh, how great their team is or how bad their team is, or you know, specifically in Red Deer here, it's always talked about how the team was not great in the second period. And so I wanted to look into that and I've always loved numbers. I've been really good at math. I've just got me really interested in sitting down and figuring out the actual numbers behind the, the games. Okay. Also, and I'm sure so, as all of you yeah, know, so I was just going to say, as, all, as everyone knows, you know, analytics is really becoming a big part of hockey and other sports these days. And so that's actually the other part of what got me interested in it is learning all the different ways you can manipulate numbers or work with numbers to come up with some facts as to why a hockey team performs one way or another. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Um, I'm I'm looking at your webpage right now and um, I see that you have checkboxes so you can drill this down so you can do stats for, an entire season, uh, and you can do stats that's just for the first period for the entire season or the second period or third period. Um, and, and so that's pretty innovative to where you just drill it down to um, one particular period that you're looking for. Um, and I, you've got it listed by team, and you've got just a ton of different stats that you keep track of. So my question is, uh, what do you do – to input this information, do you do you just sit around looking at, at box scores and and typing into a database? How do you how do you compile this stuff? Um, well, for the teams themselves, all the team information is literally taken from like 
every night I sit down after all the games are done, I look at all the box scores, and I input the data into a spreadsheet. That spreadsheet okay. then th- that spreadsheet then is taken um, and put into a website. I don't really know a whole lot about the website stuff, and I actually have a partner who works in uh, Prince George, B.C., who does all the website stuff for me. So he has taken all the information that I've gotten on to these spreadsheets and put them onto a website in a, in a way that people are able to read them as well as sort them and manipulate them however they need to. Wow. And so uh, is the website updated after every, after every day or how often is the website itself updated? Uh, the website itself is actually updated every five minutes, but I have to input the data for it to change. Now I could try my okay. best to do that during during the games, but the thing is oh, that yeah, I like to watch crazy. hockey too, right? <laughs> yeah. And so the, the so other if you're, the other part yeah, of yeah, you're sitting down every day, yeah, right. Yeah. And so usually what I try my best to do is get it done after all the games are done. Now some nights, you know, when there's ten games, eleven games, I can't get that all done within a reasonable amount of time. So I wake up in the morning and I get it finished. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you find that? No, uh, go ahead. Do you find that teams uh, might be coming to your website and and, and checking for stats uh, in this way, or is it mainly fans that are looking it up? What what kind of audience do you have typically? It's really hard to tell, to be honest with you. Um, I ha- I get hits from all over the world, uh, mainly like the the biggest ones, obviously, are Canada and the United States, mostly northwestern U.S., of course. Um, but I do get some hits in places like Russia, Finland. Um, I've seen some from Germany. You know, uh, one thing that's kind of interesting to me is that although we're mostly a Western Canadian and Northwestern American uh, hockey league, I'm getting hits from places like New York City and Toronto. Wow. Um, but the problem here is that that's all the information I have. I don't know if hockey teams are looking at it. I don't know if the the league itself is looking at it. But I can tell you right. that through my Twitter, the interactions are with a lot of people. I get fans. I get mm-hmm. people who work for the teams. I get the team's Twitter feeds themselves, right? Right, right. So, 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 so it sounds uh, like a lot of work. It's everybody. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like um, a lot of work that you're putting in, and that's uh, that's a good service for hockey fans. Um, have you maybe thought about expanding to beyond the WHL uh, to some of the other um, minor leagues, or uh, you pretty much just settled on the WHL for right now? I I, I want to say that I I think that I'm going to stick with the WHL for now. It is a lot of work. Um, and that that's not a complaint. Uh, I love what I right. do, and I do it I do it for the fans mostly. You know, uh, be, getting to know some people in the industry and the teams that it, it really is fantastic. But the fans is really who I do it for. And right now, I just don't have the reach or the time to do other leagues. Although I would love to right. be able to have the time to do that. Right, right, right. Okay, good enough. Otto, you have you have some questions for Paul? Yeah, so hey Paul, nice to finally talk to you, man. How are you? I'm I'm good. Yourself? Doing great. So um good. one of the pieces um that's on the WHLstats.ca is is a is a is a power ranking that you've been doing this season. 
Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about the background? How, you know who who you know um, who participates uh, in the power power poll and what what your what your thought process behind that was? Okay. Um, well, quite often on Twitter, which is mainly where I get to meet all my uh, all my connections and friends and fans of the WHL and stuff. We always we, there was always a debate when the BMO CHL rankings came out, and we, for the most part, didn't agree with them. And so you guys then you just decided to come up with your own. Otto, I think we lost Paul there. Looks like his his call oh, no. dropped. We'll see if he we'll see if he connects okay. again. Um, so, oh, so you know, that's look, a shame. I mean, um, I'll just, um, you know, looking at the power rankings. Um, my understanding is uh, he has other other bloggers, and and you know, he, he could he uh, Paul could post him when he when he if he can jump back on. But he has other bloggers, and what they do is um, they'll do a do a power ranking uh, um, between other bloggers, and uh, and Paul goes ahead and he kind of distributes those rankings. So uh, okay, I, don't, cool I, I think he's connect. I think we have Paul again. So let me okay. let me see if we can connect him again. Uh, Paul, are you there? Are you here? Are you back with us? I hope so. All <laughs> right, back. we lost you there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. we lost you there for a minute. Yeah, Otto was asking yeah. about power rankings, I think. Yeah, and I was just getting into um, how we kind of came together as a small group of us to discuss where we felt all the teams were in the the WHL because we never really agreed with the CHL rankings that came out um, that come out every week, and we thought it would be fun to just get together as a group and put these out. Uh, it um, it started out as just a small group and I, you know, made some contacts around the league and um, we just decided that we were going to do this every second week and compile the votes so that it, you know, kind of eliminates some of the bias from, um, you know, homerism and that kind of thing. And right. so it just, it just kind of evolved into a thing that we do every other, you know, every other week. And it's, uh, I believe that there's, 15 guys, a couple for, uh, you know, kind of evenly divided between the two conferences. Everybody votes on their own conference that they're from. So myself, I'm from Red Deer. I vote for all the teams in the East. And then um, the, the other guys vote for where they're from. I would love to be able to tell you all the people who are involved in the voting. But as part of what we agreed upon is that some of the people who are with, you know, some people work for teams in the league and some people maybe even work for the league. And, you know, I, we, we just gotcha. agreed that we didn't, we didn't want to, you know, name names. Um, you know, yeah. I, I can say that, uh, you know, that there's some guys down in Lethbridge or one of the gentlemen down in Lethbridge who runs the Canes domain. He is, you know, one of the votes. And uh, I don't know if you guys know about the uh, Pucklandia podcast, but you know, the gentleman who runs that is one of the votes as well. And they're yeah, also uh, friends uh, of the website, you know, yeah, that's, that's, uh, they have a really great uh, website too. So, yeah, this is you know this is really cool because you know I'm looking at it right now the uh, the one the uh, the ones that you have on there. I like how it's kind of color coded and 
and uh, it shows like what teams are going up and what teams are going down. Each uh, I like how each um, team has like kind of like a blurb of of what they're doing or how they're doing. Where um, the BMO rankings that's just a top ten over over the Canadian Hockey League, right? So this is this is the only one that I know of that just focusing entirely on the WHL. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, as so far as I'm aware. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen anything. I just see the, the one you're talking about, uh, the Canadian Hockey League overall one. But this is a really great resource. Again, this is uh, this is at the whlstats.ca. Um, and so, you know, moving on from, you know, kind of segue a little bit, talking about, you know, the power rankings. Um, if you're, if you're, you know, I'm looking at the top teams right now um, on this um, – it shows in the Eastern Conference. You have Brandon, Lethbridge, and Red Deer, kind of three three top teams there. And in the Western Conference, you have Victoria, the Rockets, and the Silver Tips. Um, I'm going to ask you about the Eastern Conference because you're probably much more familiar with Eastern Conference. Um, do you agree with these rankings? Would you consider Brandon, Lethbridge, Red Deer the, the top three teams um, in the Eastern Conference? Absolutely, I would agree with that. Now, those three teams can be interchangeable, and that's what's great about the Eastern Conference this year, especially with the Lethbridge Hurricanes being the story that they are. Um, yeah, the, the Eastern Conference is a real tight battle with the three teams uh, right there at the top, Brandon, Lethbridge, and Red Deer. I did want to mention, too, that like I, I find that there's a really good second tier there with the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, the Calgary Hitmen, and the Moose Jaw Warriors. You might even say that the Regina Pats are sneaking in there who could be, you know, a team that might upset somebody in the playoffs because they're coming on real strong right now. Right. No, that's, that's great. Um, um, can you, um, you know, with, with those kind of three top teams right there, um, you know, having a shot at the Memorial cup, can you explain a little bit what's going on with the red deer, um, they are the host for the Memorial Cup. Can you explain how, how they get their draw into the Memorial Cup? Or talk a little bit more about that. Well, they, they, they do get the automatic berth because they are the host. So they, um, you know, they bid on it when the uh, WHL was taking bid submissions and they were awarded, you know, the hosting and the automatic berth but they don't want to come in in the back door, right? They want to go right through the front door. Um, they're going to be in tough this year. Uh, you know, the, the, their own division sets up quite nicely with the Lethbridge Hurricanes being, the, like I said, the story of the WHL this year and uh, with the Calgary Hitmen right on Red Deer's tail. Um, it's, it's, it's setting up to make for quite the playoff uh, series between Red Deer and Calgary. And, you know, it's possible Red Deer could move into the into the number one spot in the division, but it's really looking like Lethbridge is the team to beat in, in the East Division. Oh, that's, that's looking great. And my understanding with Red Deer was, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, not just Red Deer in particular, but other host teams, um, other host teams typically, they'll kind of go all out on the trade deadline to to have a really good showing, uh, at the Memorial Cup. Now, my understanding was Red Deer was already a pretty good team before uh, making all their trades, correct? So, um, yep. why do you think they made all the trades they made um, if they were already a pretty good team um, 
you know, heading in, heading into the uh, uh, as they headed to the playoffs? Well, um, you know, to be honest with you, some of the moves were made with the hopes that the team would have some time to gel and become the real dominant force in the Eastern Conference and even in the WHL as a whole. Now, some people may not agree with me, but I believe that that some of the injuries that they've had are really taking their toll on the team. Um, Luke Philp was brought in uh, from the Kootenai Ice, and he was injured before the deal. And appearance within the last two weeks with the Rebels, he's come on for six games now and was just named our team captain. Um, You know, Jake DeBrusque was brought in as a forward who can contribute offensively but also has a very good two-way game and can help, you know, on the back check and making plays with, within his own zone. And then Adam Haluka, uh, honestly, I don't know what, like, there, there's nothing but great things to say about Adam Haluka. And as you guys probably know from the Western Conference and him playing uh, over there, he is putting the pucks in the net. He'll get to the front of the, front of the net and he'll park himself there and he's going to put the puck in. He'll fight his way through two and three defenders if need be, just to get that puck into the net. And so oh. it, it's – sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's – no, no, that's, that's interesting. You know, we saw, we saw Adam play uh, with Spokane, and, uh, you know, uh, we knew he was a really special talent. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. The Memorial, so Memorial Cup, right? So you have, you have the, the champions from each uh, – each, uh, um, league and then you have the host team correct yep so i'm gonna put you on this who um who is gonna join red deer um from the whl victoria victoria yep i you know i can i can see that they have a really good uh goal 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 tandem and uh, they have some amazing players what do you what do you like about victoria that you think that they're, they're going to make it to the memorial cup well, you said it right there, the, the goaltending tandem of Outhouse and uh, Volras. Like, they're unbelievable. Like, I, I realize that Everett also has really good uh, goaltending in, in Carter Hart, but uh, we, in the playoffs, sometimes you need that backup who can push the, the, you know, the starter to an, another level. And I think that with, uh, with Griffin Outhouse there, he is able to push uh, Coleman Volras for those starts. And so Volrath really wants to perform well. Then also you've got Matthew Phillips, who is just unbelievable. He is playing lights out. He is a very small forward, but he is just, you know, he's running that team along with um, Mr. Forsberg. So uh, I really believe that they've got the team. And then, you know, you got also got Joe Hicketts on the back end. Like that, that team has the legs to go all the way to the end. And I feel like, seeing how the seasons progress, that they're going to come out of the WHL as the league champions. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. Um, so um, that's all I have for you, uh, for you today. Uh, I know you are working or volunteering at the Memorial cup. So um, I'm hoping maybe we can uh, catch, you know, catch up with you again to uh, t- uh, after the season's over to talk about your, uh, you know, your experience uh, working at the Memorial Cup and how, how that all came out. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. I'm going to throw it back to Paul. Paul? All right. Thanks, Otto. Oh, Roger. Uh, Paul, yeah. I want to th- – yeah, yeah, this is the the, uh, the other Paul. 
Paul, I want to thank you yeah. for coming on the show tonight, um, and I want to thank you for all the work you do. That's re- that it actually is a really cool website. And for those of you who want to check it out, uh, I encourage you to check out whlstats.ca. And uh, in the article on Sonics Rising where this uh, podcast is posting, we have a link to that. So we encourage you to check that out. And, Paul, thanks for coming on the show, and I know we'll have you back uh, hopefully before the end of the season. All right. Well, thank you very much, Paul and Otto. I really appreciate coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, definitely look forward to jumping on the uh, show once again sometime in the future. Okay. Thanks, Paul. All right. Thank you. All right. That was that was Paul Figler of whlstats.ca, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Lorenzo Villalobos, uh, who covers the Washington Huskies for Seattle Sinbin. The Paris State Bulldogs beat the University of Michigan Wolverines. The Paris State University Bulldogs defeat the Michigan State University Spartans 4-1. And the Bulldogs win 8-1 over to the Ohio State Paris State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to FairStateBulldogs.com. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but but screen printed in Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! See us! Alright, let's show him what we got, guys. Get out there on the ice and let him know you're there. Alright, welcome back to the final segment of the Seattle Sinbin podcast tonight. And uh, this is Paul Rogers, your host. I'm with Otto Rogers, my co-host. And joining us on the line now is uh, Lorenzo Villalobos, who is our beat writer for the Washington Huskies. Lorenzo, how are you? Good. How are you doing tonight, Paul? Doing really good. Uh, so before we get into the post the postmortem on the Huskies season, I wanted to talk to you. We finally got to meet in person a couple weeks ago at a Seattle Thunderbirds game. And what what did you think of that game, the way that went down? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I can say for this, other than Brian Williams, to say that I was actually there. But uh, it was probably one of the best games I have seen in a long time, especially in a rivalry like that. You know, I it's probably, it reminded me of the game that I saw between those two teams at Key Arena maybe about 2000, 2001, when the, when the T-Birds had to come back from like a 4-2 deficit and also went in overtime and uh, – just, just to see that overtime goal that Portland thought that they scored, and uh, it took almost five minutes just for the officials to say, no, but it wasn't a goal. I mean, I thought there was a lot of uh, uh, contact in between the uh, 
the circles on the crease there, and uh, fortunately went our way. And uh, eight tenths of a second yeah. left. Who would have thought Ryan Grock would put it away? Yeah. Yeah, and just to, just to clarify for our audience, we're talking about the Winterhawks uh, uh, Thunderbirds game from a week ago Saturday, and uh, what happened there was uh, we had an overtime game. Seattle overcame three deficits in the game and won it with 0.8 seconds remaining in overtime. Uh, so, what did you think? Of, I mean, so you thought it was a good call, the the no goal. Had to be. I mean, there was no doubt. I mean, when you have like three or four of the players already almost interfering with the goaltender, plus um, I, I thought I saw the net also get this lodged right when the puck was also going in at the same time, too. I mean, it, it was very questionable to see whether there was any contact, you know, um, especially right. off of my view since I was sitting only like five, six rows behind the glass on that side of the, of the rink. And it was clear, clearly right there that there was a lot of contact. Uh, the goal should not have been counted, especially with the net moving around there. Right, right. All right, so uh, the Huskies are done for the year. And uh, yep. what are your overall impressions for the season, for the Washington Huskies this season? A lot better than last season. You know, five-win improvement. They bumped it up to 17-12-1-1 and one this year. Um, and I was very impressed with the underclassmen. I mean, earlier this year we noticed that Matt Cleeton, the head coach of the Huskies, recruited 15 players. And uh, they really stepped it up. I'll tell you that, Paul, uh, especially Kevin Jackson. Uh, never thought a, fr- a freshman would take over the scoring lead in the entire year. And sure enough, he did just exactly that. 30 goals, 19 assists, 49 points in uh, 28 games. Uh, led the team in um, power play goals with nine as well. And very rare that you would see a freshman like Tavich Jackson put up somewhat like Ryan Minkoff's numbers, although Ryan Minkoff had 30 more points than he did in his freshman year back four years ago. But Tavin did very well. But at the same time, you know, uh, he was he was a very chippy player too. You know, he, he didn't play just forward. I mean, he was very rough on his opponents as well. You know, some altercations he, he got involved in. Uh, he had, um, I believe, uh, game misconduct, uh, automatic game misconduct uh, back in October, a late, late one against Western Washington. So he had to set out a game for that one. But uh, overall, you know, he, he impressed me. He impressed the coaches. He impressed his teammates as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got. he has in store coming up uh, in his sophomore season. Um, but the seniors, though, I'm, I'm going to be very—I'm really going to miss out on them. Uh, fortunately, uh, I put out something on my Puget Sound hockey page uh, just yesterday on Facebook. Uh, the Huskies are planning one more game, um, and it's going to be an exhibition game with the Hockey Stage Incorporated folks uh, to, on Saturday, March the 5th. And it's going to be one last look to see these seniors as well: Alex Black, Braden Kawchak, Corey Tung. And maybe Gene Feldman, but I'm not going to guarantee that, too. But uh, those three seniors played their guts out throughout their entire season. Alex Black, that's one player I'm really going to miss. You know, 31 games. He played all 31 last uh, this past season. had 46 points, um, six power play goals. Five of them were game winners, by the way. And you're not going to see that much of an improvement or or, uh, of a show like what Alex Black did. In fact, uh, Jim, Jim Minkoff, who is the son of Ryan Minkoff, uh, that played with the Huskies the last four years, though, he's pretty much our statistician. And he told me uh, through the uh, Mixler chat earlier in one of the games, um, I believe it was against um, it was against uh, California or, or uh, Oregon, but uh, he had moved up number three all-time in career scoring, uh, passing Stefan Sobiec, 
uh, for career points-wise. So uh, another history-making career for Alex Black, but unfortunately for him, he was snubbed for four consecutive years by way of the Pac-8 Conference's uh, awards uh, nominations. Uh, four players from us got second and third team honors, but he deserved the first team all Pac-8 nomination for one of the top forwards. And um, leaving leaving the U.S. the University of Washington and the Pac-8 Collegiate Hockey. Uh, club with not an award. I think it was a slap in the face to him. I think I think he deserved way more than uh, just getting stumped like that. Okay. Uh, I don't want you guys for uh, Mr. Villalobos here. Hey, Lorenzo, how's it going? Good, Otto. How are you doing tonight, man? Doing great. Hey, so um, you know, like you said, this team had a five five game improvement over last year. Um, you already mentioned. Uh, Couple of the guys who are going to be keeping next year, who um, who who's going to be kind of the uh, you know the up and comer, the maybe like the, the the kid playing under the radar, who next year you think will take that really that next step to kind of be a key piece of the team for next year. One person I can really give you right now, Otto, is Devin Garg, a freshman from Lake Oswego, uh, played four years at uh, St. Mary Shattuck out in Minnesota, one of the top hockey uh, schools in the country, uh, produced very well last year, although he only played like half the games here. Uh, Devin played 21 games, had 22 points, nine goals, 13 assists. But uh, the one thing I really noticed about Devin Gard, his fast, his, his speed on the ice. I mean, when he gets that puck flying from one end to the other, I mean, this guy is like he's flying all over the place without the skates on the ice, you know. I mean, he sets up the plays. He looks behind him. He looks around all over the place, too, uh, especially when he wants to go around the net, too. Uh, and when he feeds it off to one of his teammates right there, he gets in, himself in position. And most of the, most of the time, I notice Devin. He's like he likes to set it up on the on the left side of the rink uh, during the power plays, and he's very vicious on those attacks when you're trying to put the bucks in goal. But uh, Devin Gard's going to be one player to keep an eye on. Another player uh, I would say that's going to really step up is Graham Gustafson. Uh, although only not not very much scoring wise, but he's probably. Um, a defenseman that is going to be on a rise. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone has took a, took a look at or taken a look at uh, one of the um, games down in Oregon about a month ago. Uh, he gave a vicious hit on one of the Oregon Duck players. It got put on YouTube, and uh, we were begging uh, John Butchacross to actually put that on the top ten for Sports Center, but that never happened. But uh, he's going to be someone to, to look at as far as one of the blue liners on the team. Uh, Jeff Miles, goaltender, um, not too bad in his freshman year, 7-11, 5.7 goals against average and an 841 save percentage. Uh, he's going to be the main guy for next year. But uh, uh, I think that's going to be an impressive uh, year for, for the soon-to-be sophomores coming up uh, going into 2016 and 17. But it, uh, one thing I, I do want to say, though, is that it all depends on what the schedule is. And if the Huskies are going to be very uh, competitive, they got to um, just attack the net as much as possible against these opponents, too. Uh, despite you know getting shut down by the goaltenders, you got to wear them out all the time, and they're, they're doing just that. Right, right. So um, since the last time we talked, there's there's been some news in regards to uh, other Pac uh, Pac eight schools, Pac twelve schools in hockey. I saw a report saying the uh, Utah Utes are are, are going to be the fourth team in the Pac twelve conference. They're, to move up to Division One of ACHA, and they're going to join right. Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. 
Um, are there other Pac-8, Pac-12 schools uh, looking to jump up to Division II? Uh, as of right now, yeah, as of right now, there is no other news uh, regarding any of the schools that's going to jump up to ACHA Division One. but uh, Utah did definitely uh, make that announcement the day after winning the Pac-8 Conference Championship uh, back on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I got the word from Matt Coma about a couple of days before that, but uh, it was it was all uh, coming to our senses that Utah really didn't need to be in Division Two, And the way that they've been playing for a long time, uh, i.e. like the six, seven years that they've been putting up with, uh, they were very competitive to everybody, and they were just completely dominating. Although they only had eight conference games, which was the, the minimum requirements, they still had a 23-2-2 and record going into the Pac-8 tournament. And you don't see teams like that playing that heavy of a non-schedule, non-conference schedule and still winning all of those games. Um, I, I was very impressed with the way Utah uh, performed in the conference. And um, hopefully if Washington does the same thing within the next few years, even if we see USC, USC was really impressive to me this year uh, conference-wise in the regular season. But uh, I'd probably like to see both USC and Washington battle it out for the Pac-8 and play very intense hockey in the years to come, and maybe they can get recognized going into the ACHA Division One. But it's sort of a blow for the conference itself. You know, now now next season we're only going to have six. Um, you know, the Washington schools, the or- University of Oregon, and then the three California schools. That's all that's going to be left as of right now. Uh, we were supposed to be uh, uh, still going down to Utah next season to play the Utes. Uh, down in Salt Lake City, but uh, as of right now, the schedule, which is still in the works at the moment, uh, is still projecting us to go down there next year. Interesting. So um, I know we've talked about also in the past, uh, um, not just ACH uh, Division One, but like True Division One. Um, would you consider the foursome of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, those four schools, if if we were going to have a Division One NCAA Division One conference, mm-hmm. those would be the four schools that would probably be, you know, the the first four Pac-12 schools um, part of a Pac uh, Division One conference. If they recognize it and they say, you know, this makes sense, then yes, I would. Uh, but keep in mind too is that there's also budget concerns uh, per school. Keep in mind also is the fact that uh, the uh, players, coaches are still trying to. Uh, raise money to uh, make the travel arrangements, get the times uh, out there to the rinks as well. Um, it, it's all gathered. You have to have a, a good plan in order for uh, for uh, to make that happen. But for all the Rockies, the Rocky Mountain schools, including the deserts, it makes sense for Utah, Colorado, and the Arizona schools to play one another. But I, I'd say it's it's going to take some time for the West Coast schools like the UW or the Californias and and Oregon's to actually come up with a way to join maybe a future D1 conference for all the Pac-12 uh, to be on its own. But, uh, it, again, it all depends about funding and uh, the willingness for the players to actually make it out there too. Interesting. Uh, one final thing about, like, kind of conference realignment. You, you mentioned the, the, the Pac-8 not going to be the Pac-6. Is there any look at adding non, non-Pac-6 Pacific Coast Conference schools uh, to just kind of fill out the uh, the conference a little bit, or, or are we just stick, or thinking about sticking at sticking at six schools? Well, remember, well, I'm not sure if I brought this up uh, earlier this year. Uh, we were there was rumors about Oregon State forming up their own club hockey team, 
but uh, we haven't heard anything down in Corvallis about whether the team is going to even actually uh, start playing in 2016-17 or they're still uh, looking to see their first season in the near future beyond that. Uh, another team that's also in the ACHE but is playing in the lower level is Stanford University, but they're playing, in, I believe, in the WCHC. So uh, Stanford is another option to join the Pac-8 as well. So uh, those are probably going to be our those two schools that we're going to have to keep close eye on to, to see if they're even going to join the conference or not. But I, I would love to see um, those traditional Pac-12 schools to join and fill those uh, voids for uh, the next uh, season or two. That's awesome. Well, that's all, that's all I have for you, Lorenzo. Um, great, great year covering, covering UW hockey for us. Um, and hopefully we can talk about more UW hockey in the future. So I'm going to throw it back to Paul. You got it, Otto. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Otto. Well, Lorenzo, I'm going to add my thanks for everything you've done for us this year. And, uh, you know, uh, are you going to write something up about the, um, the exhibition game you were talking about? Yeah, in fact, uh, I honestly have been still in the middle of uh, doing my season recap, but I'm definitely going to go out to the uh, the uh, exhibition game coming up the next weekend. And there's going to be a lot more for the Huskies as well during the off season. Uh, of course, head coach Matt Clayton is going to uh, keep me in tabs on uh, who the players have been recruited. In fact, the Pack 8, Pack eight uh, just announced, that they, I believe a few weeks ago, that they're going to have a uh, recruitment camp coming up down in Lake Tahoe in June. And then uh, we'll see what happens in September. Uh, we do expect the schedule for the 2016-17 season to, to be released sometime in the summer. And uh, hopefully it's um, the same amount of games that, that we've been playing last year, too, because, you know, the more games, the more competitive we can be. All right. Okay, Lorenzo. Well, I want to thank you for everything you've done this year, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of your writing, uh, hopefully throughout the summer as you learn things. and. Uh, really look forward to having you write for us again next season as well. And so thanks for coming on the show uh, for us again tonight, and we'll talk to you next time. You got it, Paul. Hey, thanks a lot for the time. Enjoy the evening. All right, no problem. All right, that was Lorenzo Villalobos. And uh, uh, ordinarily we'd do a closing segment from here, Otto, but I really do need to run. Um, <laughs> so I want to thank yeah, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show again with me tonight. And uh, we will reconvene next week. Does that sound okay? All right. Sounds great. All right. Uh, thanks for – I want to thank Paul Figler for coming on the show. I want to thank Lorenzo Villalobos for coming on the show. Um, and I want to thank other people for coming on the show as I actually look for the outro music. <laughs> oh, I'm doing so good. Rookie. <laughs> Rookie. Here's, here's an outro music. We'll see you guys next week.